Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Today we're going to continue our preaching series looking at the ministry and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we've titled Form and Fire. And we're going to be diving straight into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians 14 or it'll come up on the screen as I read. Paul writes, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you would speak in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in note, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. As we continue in this series looking at the Holy Spirit and doing part two of what is a two-part message on the spiritual gifts, we are diving deep into what it means to live in and understand the theology, the ministry, and the practice of the Holy Spirit and how this implicates our lives as believers. And a large hope that I have for us as a church is that we together would pursue the presence of God. And my hope and prayer for us as a community would be that we would be filled with the full measure of Christ through His Spirit. I pray that we together on mission would pursue lives of personal holiness, that that we would uh, pursue the presence and power of God, not only in our togetherness and in our gatherings, but also in the everyday stuff of life that we would move and live out our faith empowered by the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit when we go to work or when we drop the kids at school or when we do our grocery shopping. I also pray that the gifts of the Spirit that we've looked at over the last, well, last Sunday and this week, that the gifts of the Spirit would just be evident in our church and, and that we would be able to minister to one another in the presence of God Himself. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to continue and pick up from where we left off last Sunday, looking at and talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Darren Rousen, he says, to live a life of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit for the common good, is to live life fully alive. 
And so this is what it is all about. You know, we're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit because we're trying to get weird or because we're trying to get crazy. We're talking about this because it's so clear in the Scriptures that this is how we live into living life fully alive. This is stepping into the promise that Jesus gives us that He will give us life and life abundant. And we believe that in order for us to do that, we need to be empowered by the Spirit and operate in our spiritual gifts. The great evangelist Billy Graham, he once said, Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so let's ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, one definition from Simon Ponsonby, he says this, it is a constantly repeatable, deepening experience of God's Spirit who brings a greater revelation of the person and work of Christ. It brings a, gr a blazing love for Christ, a greater and more effective empowering witness to Christ, and a transforming conformity to the character of Christ. And so as we consider this, it really becomes clear that whether we know it or not, we are all longing for the presence of God in our lives. And when we have the presence of God in our lives and we lean into His presence, what we will find is that we will have no choice but to operate in and have full access to the full range of the spiritual gifts. You see, friends, being filled with the Spirit means that we get a clear vision of Jesus and we are then empowered to become more like Him. You know, our goals as disciples can really be broken up to three main ideas, that we want to be with Jesus, that we want to become like Jesus, and that we want to go and do the things that Jesus did. And so when our goal is to become like Jesus, and as we slowly, over time, spend more time with Him and actually become more like Him, what we see is there is a growing desire in our hearts to actually go and do the very things that Jesus did. In John 14, Jesus tells us that, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these. And so Jesus is saying to us as his disciples, you're going to do the very same things that I have been doing. And then he kind of throws this little bit on the end and even greater works. Now, let's for a moment consider the works that Jesus was doing. If you go back and look and read in the Gospels, we see a couple things, maybe small things like feeding 5,000 people with a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread. He turns water into wine at a wedding. He, he gives sight to the blind. He touches and heals lepers. He heals the sick. He even raises the dead. And these are just a few of the things that he had been doing up until this point. And so Jesus, his desire for us as his disciples, for us as a church, as a community, is that we would do the very things that he was doing. And actually, this is what we should expect. You know, the big idea really is, this, is that this is normal Christian life, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, to see miracles and healings and words of knowledge and prophecy and 
all of the full range of spiritual gifts that we covered last week, administration and teaching and encouragement and hospitality, this is normal Christian life. You know, Jesus did not have a framework for a church that did not use the spiritual gifts. When Jesus encouraged the disciples and then gave them a mandate to reach the nations and plant and set up churches and minister the gospel, he did not imagine that we would be able to do this without the Holy Spirit's empowerment and the active use of the gift of the Spirit in our midst and in our everyday ordinary life. But let's ask ourselves the question, how do we actually do the things that Jesus himself did? You know, we're not Jesus, we're just mere mortals. How do we actually do those things? Well, the scriptures tell us, and Jesus himself tells us, that we do this when we are filled by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, he starts this off with us in the first chapter where he starts addressing the spiritual gifts with the church in Corinth. In chapter 12, he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so there is kind of a little bit of a touch of irony here because 2,000 years later, we are, you know, when concerning the spiritual gifts, we are probably largely uninformed. Like when we think about prophecy, we're like, oh man, that, that seems really weird. And, you know, I don't want to get into all that Christian fortune telling stuff. Or if it comes to tongues, which are the two gifts that Paul addresses in chapter 14, then we start thinking, wow, that's super weird and I don't know what's going on. And you hear someone speaking in tongues and you think they're crazy or they're having some kind of manic episode and it just can get really confusing and disheartening. Now, even right now, if you're watching online and you're new to the gifts of the Spirit or you've had experiences in the past, you might be thinking, oh no, Light Church is one of those churches and I'm out of here. But you know, actually the goal today is really to try and encourage us, one, to have a deeper understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, but two, that we would eagerly desire these gifts and be able to operate effectively in them. Because here's the thing, our desire to be part of a church that not only pursues the Spirit of God and His presence, but also that we would be a church that the Spirit wants to do stuff in and through our lives as we grab hold of the gifts that are available. So first up, let's remind ourselves, what is a spiritual gift? Wayne Grudem, he says, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry in the church. So this is a pretty broad definition, which includes both you know, gifts that are of natural abilities, things like teaching and showing mercy, hospitality or administration. And then it kind of includes the other gifts as well that seem to maybe be a bit more miraculous, although we know that they all have the same value and are all used to build up the church and elevate Christ. But these gifts are things like prophecy or healing or distinguishing between spirits or tongues. So, Let's ask ourselves another question. What is the purpose of the gifts? Well, Grudem goes on to say that spiritual gifts are given to the church to carry out its ministry until Christ returns. So, so we are told that we are to use our spiritual gifts to carry out our ministry in an effective way until Jesus returns. Let's turn back to the passage that we read this morning and highlight three important things that Paul gives the Corinthian church, and I believe us today. 
He highlights three big ideas. The first being love, the second being that we would build up the church, and the third being order. So Paul, when talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how we function in our gifts in a local church, gives three big ideas, a framework, if you will, within which we need to operate. We need to be motivated from a place of love. Everything we do needs to build up the church, and we need to do this in an orderly, biblical way. So let's look at love. The Apostle Paul encourages this prayerful pursuit of the Spirit and the, and the gifts of the Spirit, but he elevates love as an overarching principle that gives the spiritual gifts their value. He, he says this is how we should operate in our gifts, motivated from a spirit and a place of love. As we have received the love of Christ, we live in the love of Christ, and then we operate out of a position of love, desiring the best for the other. You know, we can see so many times where people operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but they do so from a place of pride or wanting to elevate themselves or, you know, a number of other kind of areas of motivation that show that actually they desire to elevate themselves rather than pursue the Spirit and elevate Jesus. And so we need to make sure that when we are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, we do so from a place of love. Next, Paul talks about how we are to build up the church. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that, you know, as believers, that our use of the spiritual gifts and in doing so, we need to operate in a way where we strive to strengthen the entire church. What he's saying basically is that your gift is not for you. You know, these gifts are given to us so that the church of Jesus Christ may be built up. Basically, he's saying, hey, the gifts are for other people. You might operate in the gift, but the fruit of that gift is actually for someone else. So let's take, for example, healing. You know, the gift of healing is not for me. If I receive the gift of healing, that gift is not for me. It's not so that I can be the healer and this person with these special powers. Rather, the gift of healing is actually for the person who's sick. And so you can receive a gift of healing and pray for someone who's sick, and the fruit, the benefit of that gift is for the other person. The same is with, you know, a word of knowledge. It's not for you. It's for the person who is on the receiving end of that word. The gift of hospitality is to make other people feel welcome and give people a place to belong. The gift of administration is to help others in the church get organized and help the community function in a well and effective way. Basically, the gifts of the Spirit are tools in our hands. You know, we've just sold our house back in South Africa as we anticipate moving over to San Diego. And just before the house went on the market, I uh, had to kind of fix a few things around the home to make sure that it was presentable and in good working order. And so my son, Caleb, he's four years old. He loves to help me with any kind of task around the house, whether it's in the garden or cleaning the pool or fixing stuff around the home. And we both bought out our drills. I've got a wireless kind of real drill and uh, Caleb has a little plastic toy drill and we walked around the home kind of screwing in hinges and tightening up doors and particularly in our bathroom there were a few fittings that were loose and we needed to tighten them up and make sure they were all in good working order. Now that drill in my hand was the tool that I needed 
to fulfill the task or the need at hand. You see, I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to screw a screw into a, a wall with your finger, you know, you'd have a pretty difficult time getting that job done. But with the right tool in your hand, you'll be able to do it really well and effective. Now, obviously, my tool, in, as in my wireless drill, was so much more effective than Caleb's plastic drill, um, but he was part of the whole process, and it was really fun. You see, the gifts of the Spirit in the life of the church, it's like having the correct tool in our hands. It's that we actually become successful and effective in doing the ministry that Jesus has called us to do. It's as if the Spirit is saying, okay, what you need for this particular task or season is the gift of healing because there's someone who's sick. What we need in the church is actually someone with the gift of administration. So he will highlight within you that you carry this gift so that we can actually function well as a church. It's just the Spirit of God putting tools in our hands so that we can operate effectively and reach our city for Jesus. The spiritual gifts are God's ordained means for the church to carry out her ministry. And so a healthy church will have all of a vast array of spiritual gifts operating in unity. So sometimes we can get caught into this idea that, well, that church, they have like the gift of healing. And that if you need to get healing, you like go to that church because they carry that specific gift. Or there's like the prophetic church or the church that's really well administered. So they've got wonderful programs or the really hospitable church and everyone just feels really welcome or the evangelistic church. And that's great, but actually a healthy, thriving church has all of the gifts of the Spirit operating in unity to build up the body. The image I like to imagine is a jazz band. You know, Caitlin, my wife, and I, we love jazz music, and we've been fortunate enough to go to New York a number of times. And one of the things that we love to do when we're in New York is go to like a really cool, vibey jazz club buy our tickets, and I think the last one we went to was like a jazz barbecue thing, and I had some amazing brisket. But what strikes me about a jazz band, and forgive me because I'm not, you know, I don't play an instrument and I'm not very musical, but I can appreciate good music, is that you can be in a space where a band is playing, and you can just see each person uh, on their instrument kind of not following a rigid plan, but actually operating and expressing themselves through their instrument. And if they are all playing in the same key and they are playing in the same beat, they can kind of go along with the flow and express themselves as individuals while functioning as a really effective band and a beautiful song can come out of them. I see the church as a jazz band where everybody can operate and express their gifts in a way that is unified and builds the church collectively up so there's space for individual expression, there's space for us to do the things God has called us as individuals to do while functioning in the greater body that will produce a beautiful song out to the rest of our city. Because here's the thing, we don't want to be a this or a that church, we want to be a church. And to be a church that Jesus intended us to be, I believe that we need the full range of spiritual gifts in operation, which means that we need all of us operating in our gifts. So we are to be motivated by love, and then we are to operate and step into our gifts in a way that builds up the entire body 
and we are then to do this in a way that brings about order. You see, to benefit the church, the gifts must operate in an orderly, controlled manner. A spiritual frenzy does not benefit anyone. We see Paul addressing this in the passage where we read, like right up front when he was talking about tongues and prophecies, he particularly kind of hones in on the gift of tongues. Now, we're not going to unpack tongues and prophecies right now. We're just going to unpack the kind of idea that Paul is talking about here because I believe the framework that he sets in this passage can apply to the use of all of the gifts. You see, Paul says that we must be careful not to confuse disordered spiritual frenzies with power from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's this wrong idea in the church that the more crazy or the more wild an event or a gathering is, that like kind of the more power there is present in that moment. And that's just not true. We, we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that the manifestation of the Spirit is peaceful and orderly. Paul says that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And so this has two practical implications for us. As you maybe start to discern, you know, what is my gift or how do I practice my gift in the church? Or you may be wondering, like, are we going to get really wild here? Let's just consider these two practical implications. The first is that no meaningless spiritual manifestations should happen in a worship service. You know, a valid spiritual expression, like, for instance, tongues, has kind of no place that is in a corporate setting unless there is an interpretation to that tongue. The reason really is straightforward. Paul tells us that if we don't understand something, how is it actually going to serve us? In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 18 and 19, Paul writes, I thank God that I speak in tongues. But then he goes on to say, but in the church... I would rather speak five intelligible words because Paul knows that if we actually understand what he's saying, that the entire church would be built up. And so Paul's not saying we shouldn't speak in tongues or that there is no place for tongues. He's saying if we speak in tongues in a corporate space, there needs to be an interpretation. And while that probably requires me unpacking that in another entire message, the idea is this that Paul is saying that whatever happens in a corporate setting needs to build up the entire church. The next implication is that we are, to we are in complete control when we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us and leads us towards a manifestation gift specifically, he does not take possession of our bodies so that we cannot control it or, you know, kind of we are just operate outside of control and order and become disruptive. Rather, he reveals to us what we are to do or what we are to say in a way that is helpful to not only the person on the receiving end, but the community at large. And we are then instructed or guided by the Spirit himself to do this effectively. So basically the big idea is that the gifts don't operate in a crazy frenzy. The, the, uh, they operate in an orderly and a peaceful manner. So what does this mean for you and for me and for Light Church as a whole? Well, Paul commands the Christians to eagerly desire the gifts. So we are to desire the gifts, not be put off by the gifts, not be freaked out by them, but actually eagerly desire the gifts. And that means, actually, that we have permission to ask for specific gifts. 
So this can be done in two ways. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, okay, this sounds great, but how do I actually receive a gift? Or what gift do I have? How do I discern this? Well, two ways, and there, there are more, but two ways that we'll highlight this morning. The first is that we can ask God to show us what our gift is, maybe a gift that we already have, you know, abilities that are in us, like are we gifted as a teacher, or are we naturally hospitable, or do we have the gift of administration? We can submit these gifts to the Spirit so that He can redeem our gifts so that we can be used in a way that builds up the church. We can also ask the Spirit of God to help us in how we use our gift or our ability, meaning that we can actually grow and get better at our gift and the use of our gift or functioning in our gift as we practice. So this is like, you know, any ability. If you want to be a really good runner, you can get better at running with more regular training and disciplined practice. And the same can be said of the spiritual gifts. You know, it, it's uh, basically an area of training where the Spirit of God can help us and get better at what He's called us to do. So this kind of has a bit of an implication on us as a gathered people. You know, at Light Church, we desire to be a place where people can practice and grow in their spiritual gifts. So we need to operate with the spirit of humility and grace in the practice of these gifts. So, for instance, you know, if somebody is going to be using their gift and we're going to be on the receiving end, we need to be merciful and gracious to knowing that we're all trying, as long as we're motivated from a place of love, and the goal is to build up the church and it's done in an orderly way, we can learn and grow together as we function in our gifts. So that means that if someone wants to share a word of knowledge or wisdom or prophesy over us, we can have a gracious spirit knowing that, well, we might not get it right every time. On the other hand, we, if we are operating the gift, give yourself grace and be courageous in stepping out and practicing your gift. And the, the result will be that as a community, we will get better at functioning and we will be able to do the Christian life and become like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did in greater measure. Secondly, we can also ask God for specific gifts. Take, for example, healing or a word of knowledge or for discernment. Remember that these gifts are always given to fulfill a missional need. So if someone is sick, you can ask the Spirit of God to give you the gift of healing so that you can lay hands and pray for the person that's sick. And, you know, if it's God's will, that person be healed. The same can be said of the other manifestation gifts. If you see a specific need, you can ask the Spirit of God to give you a gift in line with fulfilling that need. And this can be said of all the gifts. Now, in closing today, I want to look at this title that Gordon Fee gives or a definition that Gordon Fee gives the Holy Spirit. He calls the Holy Spirit God's empowering presence. You know, more often than not, spiritual gifts are, are given to empower us to fulfill a need, like I've just said. Look at the book of Acts, for example. The book of Acts is the story or the account or the biography of the early church. What we have is Jesus sends out his disciples. He, he, he tells them to wait for power on on high. The Holy Spirit comes and anoints these disciples as men filled with the Spirit, and we immediately see them operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And the church of Christ is born. 
And so as we look at the book of Acts and the story of the early church, what we see is a great example of a church filled with regular men and women who are empowered by the Spirit and then operate in the gifts of the Spirit from a motivation of love that builds up the church in an orderly way. So let's fast forward and kind of look at Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, there was a need in the church. The need was that they needed food and they needed really good administration. So they needed someone to come along who had the spiritual gift of hospitality and the spiritual gift of administration. And they needed that person to be filled with the Spirit in order for this to happen effectively. Fast forward to Acts chapter 8, that very same church has a different need. uh, The need in Acts chapter 8 was that someone was sick, and so they needed someone to be healed, and they also needed someone to proclaim the gospel and cast out demons. What's fascinating to me in this account of Acts 6 and Acts 8 is that the same guy, his name's Philip, he does both of these things. It's actually the Spirit of God that enables him in that moment to fulfill both needs. So what we see in Acts chapter 6 is Philip arrived, he's got the gift of hospitality, he's got the gift of administration, so he prepares food and he he facilitates the needs in the church with regards to administration. And then in Acts chapter 8, what we have is Philip come up again, he, he preaches the gospel, he heals the sick, and he casts out demons. What's really interesting is that Philip does not show up in Acts chapter 8 and just say, okay guys, I'm sorry, you know, I cook and I do administration, so I'm going to leave the preaching and the healing and the casting out demons to like the spiritual guys, like that's not my lane. No, no, Philip arrives in Acts chapter 8, he's just like, sweet, takes the apron off, clipboard down, come Holy Spirit, fill me, help me, you know, save some people, cast out demons and preach Jesus. What we learn is that the Holy Spirit will empower those who are available. Philip arrives and he's he's just like, okay, I'm available. I'm available for God to do what he wants me to do. He doesn't say, okay, what's in my hand is a clipboard and a spatula. He's like, okay, put those things down. God, what's in your heart? And then he functions and operates in that space. I think it's really just simple. It's those who show up, take a breath, and just say, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. I'm going to receive a gift from the Spirit to fulfill a missional need in a moment because I am motivated from a spirit of love. I desire the entire church to be built up, and I'm going to function in an orderly way. See, this is power at work within us, friends. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you, do you realize that the very same power that enabled Jesus, the same power that enabled Paul, The same power that enabled Philip is already in you if you're a disciple of Jesus. And that power that is resident in your heart and your mind and your hand and in your speech. I want to ask you, do you realize that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, abides in you right now precisely so that you might transcend the limitations of your own finite existence and minister to others in the power and the love of Jesus, just as he did. What we want to do today as we end off this message is take a moment to actually encourage us all to pray to receive this power and receive a gift from the Spirit so that we can contribute to the effective building up of a local church. See, this power is something not only that God has but something that he wants to generously share with us 
and give us an abundance. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus, he calls the disciples, the 12, he, we read, summoning the 12, he gave them power and authority over the demons to heal diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And what is this power to which Jesus referred to and, 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 and promised that would be ours? It's the very same power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So we want to pray for power. We want to be men and women who operate in power, who live from a place of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to be an effective minister of Jesus. You know, a, a young lawyer, his name is Charles Finney. He was the outstanding evangelist of the 19th century. And he talks about his experience that he had with being filled with the Holy Spirit that actually catapulted him into his effective ministry and his effective gifting as an evangelist. And he shares this account where he sits at his office desk and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and I quote, as waves and waves of liquid love. No words can express the wonderful love that shed abroad my heart. I wept aloud with joy in love. I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushes of my heart. This is what it's like to be filled with the presence of God. And when we are filled with the presence of God and start to operate in our gifts, we will live life and life to the full. And so the question I end with is this. It's not like, do you want to be crazy or do we want to be wild or or kind of, you know, do we, what gift do you want? It's actually simply, do you want more of God in your life? Because the presence of God is what will craft you and shape you into everything you've been created to be. You see, the Holy Spirit and His gifts will help us be effective in carrying out our God-given mandate as believers. Charles Spurgeon, he once said, Ask God to make you all that the Spirit of God can make you, not only as a satisfied believer who has drunk from himself, but as a useful believer who overflows the neighborhood with blessing. And so my encouragement today is when you switch off this recording and contemplate, you know, what does my life with Jesus look like? Am I going to be content with drinking for myself? Or am I going to rise up and be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Be, make myself available for what it is He wants to do and actually see our neighborhood, our city, overflowing with blessing. And so our encouragement is pretty practical today. It's simply to take some time to pray, to ask the Spirit of God to fill you and to ask Him to reveal to you what is your spiritual gift or what are the missional needs around you? What gift do you need to receive in order to minister the love of Jesus to others. We can ask Him to fill our hearts with the love of Christ so that we can be motivated in everything we do by love. You can ask Him to reveal to you what ways can you use your natural human abilities that are sanctified by the love of Jesus, whether it's administration or hospitality or mercy, to serve the local church so that we all can be built up and we can be committed to being disciples of Jesus that function in a collective, in an orderly way. And so I encourage you, friends, to pick up your Bible, to spend some time with the Lord, and to spend time in prayer, asking Him to reveal to you 
what it is he has for you and to be filled with his presence. Amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.